Well, a very good morning to you. I'm very excited to be here and, uh, and very anxious to begin this study uh, with you this morning. And as I uh, get into this intro, if you would please be grabbing your Bibles and go ahead and be turning to uh, Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 4. And as you're turning there, uh, I also want to join in the welcome to any visitors that we have. And, and as often uh, noted, you are our honored guest. And, and with that being said, you're also invited and encouraged in, in participating with us as we open God's Word uh, to study it, to hopefully gain more knowledge and become stronger servants of His. Now this morning, I'm, I'm gladly filling in for, uh, for Josh. He's, the, of course, our normal preacher. That being said, I'm, I'm still very nervous. I always am when I get up here. And it, it's an excited nervous. I just hope and, and pray every time I get up here that, that what I've prepared to say comes out fluently uh, and that it uh, impacts you all as much as the study of this impacted me. Uh, also, I want to invite you to give me any criticism, any feedback. If I say anything that is not in accordance with God's Word, absolutely you would be my friend to let me know that uh, so we can correct those things. I want to go ahead and get right to it here. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer. The subject of prayer, it, it can lead to many studies. Trust me, as I was preparing this lesson my mind wanted to go a hundred different ways. There's so much to be said about prayer. But what we know of prayer being being throughout all the Scriptures, much of the Scriptures, and some prayer we can read, some prayers we can draw conclusions to what the prayer would have been pertaining to, at least in part. And before we truly delve into just the awesome power of prayer, I think there may be a few things uh, that can help us as we study first and foremost just prayer, prayer by itself, in and of itself. What is prayer? To an audience such as yourself, this is, this is a simple question. But there are many who simply do not understand what prayer is. You know, as we read Scripture and, and grow in our faith and knowledge, we quickly learn that prayer is the avenue by which we commune or communicate to God the Father. Prayer can be broken down in, into types as well. We see supplication, petition, intercessions, and thanksgivings. In the Philippians passage we just read, it phrases, by prayer and supplication. And as I, I try to make sure the audience is all on the same page uh, before we go any further, and I ask myself, well, is there anyone that could say, but, but what's that? Well, supplication is merely the act of asking or begging for something in a respectful or in a humble way. So prayer is the avenue by which we ask what, what we should hold dear and use as a, as a heartfelt plea. Supplication becomes the asking of something in a humble manner. So prayer and supplication, we'll be talking about that quite a bit. And while my focus this morning won't necessarily be to talk about all the various types of prayers that are offered, I do have an alternative goal uh, with the message. And I, and I have an approach in this lesson that I haven't used before, but my hopes are that we're going to be building a platform of understanding on a few points in prayer that we will see the ultimate conclusion of the power of prayer. So... First, I'm going to study a point, and I'm going to ask you to listen very closely and very intently, because there's going to be some things I say that may, may raise your eyebrow and may get you thinking, where are you going with this? But I beg you, listen with me and bear with me. So first, I want to think about 
what are we praying for? When we lift our request to God, what is our expectation with the words we have used to approach Him with? You know, there are some matters in regards to prayer that we should mentally keep in check so that we can uh, be careful with with, uh, what we expect from what we say when we pray. So we're going to be talking for a short time on gaining understanding when it pertains to expectations from our prayers. And for one, the Bible teaches us a difference in what we would uh, what would be considered a miracle and what would be considered God's providence. And this can be among the most difficult things to comprehend because we don't always fully comprehend just how God's providence uh, works in our daily lives. And there's so many prayers or, or there's so many people that pray uh, and they consider their prayers to be miraculously answered. But but those who do not understand God's providence, that can be a problem. Now, what do we know about miracles versus God's providence? And we want to be careful about entertaining the idea of calling for some miracle. Is that what we're taught in scriptures? What we know about miracles for sure is that they set aside the laws of nature. You know, Jesus and the apostles performed many, many miracles. We don't have time to consider them all this morning, but we will use one uh, chapter from Matthew. If you want to be turning there, in Matthew chapter uh, 14 is what we're going to be looking at. We're on the right up there. All right, Matthew 14. And first, in verse 14, what we see here is that this, this multitude has gathered together, and in verse 14, it says... And he had compassion, the latter part, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now what we're seeing here is a miracle being performed. Jesus miraculously healing the sick. And just a few verses down in 16 through 21, we're familiar with the feeding of the 5,000. And this happened, once again, due to a miracle performed by Jesus. In verses 25 through 32... Moving on down, we know the story of Jesus walking on water. Once again, what is this? This was a miracle. You know, we understand these are things that that defy the laws of nature. And to help us understand the difference in what we are talking about in terms of what has been put in place as a miracle versus what is in place due to providence, we do have a few good examples that we can look at. And first we're going to be looking at uh, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. It reads, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Verse 10, God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. I'm going to ask you just to stay there, but I'm going to read for you from Ecclesiastes 1.7. It reads, all streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. What we saw in Genesis chapter 1 verses 9 through 10 was part of creation, right? It was part of a miracle. And what we read from that verse 7 in Ecclesiastes 1 is due to the way that God put these things in order. He made the water on the earth. But it sustains itself, maintains itself due to his providence. To that which it goes, there it flows. So we see that. We know that through study also of science. But more so because that's the way God created it. 
Alright, now the next one I want to look at uh, is just a chapter ahead in chapter 2 there. Genesis 2 and verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. What do we see here? This is a miracle. God created man. And just a couple chapters over, in chapter 4, and in verse 1 now, it says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Now I think this is, this is going to be a little interesting for us to think about. What happened in the Genesis chapter 2 passage was a miracle. God created man. What we see in the Genesis chapter 4 is that Adam knew his wife, and because he knew his wife, she conceived and gave birth to Cain, to a boy. So what God put in place as a miracle, the creation of man and wife, or man and woman, now that that man and woman have known each other, they've gotten together, they have been able to produce, conceive a child. God's providence. So, there's many times that things are referred to as as a miracle, when in reality it's the way God's put things in motion to be able to take place. The order, and by the order of, of the laws of nature as well. Now when Eve, she, she speaks saying, with the help of the Lord. How did the How did the Lord help her? I talked to my wife about this quite a bit last night, and I was like, you know, we're not, I don't think we're specifically told how the Lord helped her, but what what we do know is that the Lord made woman to be able to conceive, to be able to give birth. So however he helped her, he helped her, because she says, the Lord has helped me. So we see there are some, some differences in what is a miracle and what is because of Divine providence, God's providence. The last example I want to look at is in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Right there it reads plain and simple that he created. This was a miracle that he was able to create these things. And look at the very next verse in verse 17. It says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things hold together. When we talk about what life has, what God has put in place for us to be sustained in life, we're talking about what he put in place that is held together, is maintained because of his wisdom. He put it in place to be able to work that way. So again, I chose to start talking about about the difference in a miracle in God's providence because it seems that even in a world where where the not-so-faithful live, they will rant and rave about how prayers were answered and that it was a miracle. And this is just simply a matter of understanding what we can know about God's workings. If someone is struck with a life-threatening disease, now this becomes a, a very sensitive question, but let's just think about it. 
If someone's been struck with a life-threatening disease and we pray for the recovery and they don't recover, was that a miracle that they didn't recover? And in contrast, was it a miracle if they did recover? Again, that's a sensitive thing to think about because we don't always understand maybe just how God is working the mysteries of all that. But what we can be comforted in is knowing that God, he has put everything in place and in order on earth to survive as best we can. His providence. What is maintained? So I want you to take a step back just for a second. You think about how, how even medications have changed over the years. How the understanding of the human body uh, has developed. How men and women of, of science have, have studied and continue to learn more and more. And things that they learn even today that they're like, well, ten years ago we were way off. This is, this is just how long it's taken us to understand this. But God understands. He understood from day one. He made it that way. He made our bodies miraculously. You think about when we cut ourselves and that heals. He made our bodies to be able to do that. We are able to sustain, to, to take care of ourselves because of what he has put in place. So God put all these things in motion when he created man and woman. So when we pray for someone, especially in a scenario you know, like we just referenced, are we praying for a, a miracle healing? I think, I think we just need to be careful about when we touch on praying for a miracle. Because miracles have ceased to exist. But what does exist is the providence of God. So it's, it's a, I think it's something that's hard to think about and, and definitely in study you're going to learn more and more about uh, God's providence and the way things are maintained at least on this earth. When the Jesus and the apostles prayed for healing, we know that there was miraculous healing. And we simply just do not have the power of Jesus Christ. We don't have the power of God of, of healing. So in part of understanding the power of prayer, we've now built a foundation to understand that even though the miracle age has passed, God in His might and wisdom put things in motion to sustain us and help us along the way. And that's pretty powerful thing, isn't it? And how powerful is it to us in prayer to remind uh, or to help remind ourselves and others and be encouraged that God's power is all around us, continually supplying us with what we need to serve Him? That's part of what makes a prayer so powerful. So someone may ask, if God has put everything here on earth and it sustains and, and we're unable to get a miracle, then, then why are we praying in the first place? Why pray? Well, I think the question of, of why pray is, is an excellent question. Now, let's think about a few points we can gather knowledge from, from the Scriptures. And what do you think about, first and foremost, when you think about informing God? And this is going to be one of those interesting points again. Does God need informed of whatever it is that's going on when we pray? You know, Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 8, that our God knows what we need before we even ask Him, right? So why pray? He already knows what I'm going to pray for. Why pray for it? Well, God expects us to pray. We're going to be talking about a little bit about this. And not because we, we just inform God. It's not just to inform God. It's because God expects prayer. And in part of that expectation, it shows our humbleness and our reliance on God, our dependency on Him when we ask for things. 
It's interesting to think about the, the latter part of James uh, chapter 4 and verse 2. If you're taking notes, this is the, the, the second part of that verse. It says, you do not have because you do not ask God. So what would that infer? Well, we need to be asking God, don't we? And Luke uh, 11, you can be turning there. Luke 11, 9 through 10. Now, when I, when I prayed this morning, and I prayed many prayers this morning, <laughs> to be able to stand up here and bring strictly in accordance the Word of God, I didn't say, Lord, I didn't know if you knew this or not, but I'm, I'm preaching this morning. The Lord knew that. What I, needed, what I did pray for was, hey, Lord, when I get up to preach this morning, don't let me make an idiot of myself. No, I'm just kidding. Help me remember the things I've prepared. What have I studied for? This is, God has allowed us to be able to learn how to study, to know how to study, to prepare our things before we speak. Alright, Luke 11, 9 through 10. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. What father among you, if he has sons, ask for fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? And the verses go on. Now, that is talking about asking of God. And it's, it's a popular reading, we know about it. Then we ask, when we ask things, we should expect, especially if we're living faithful, that our prayers are going to be answered. So does God answer prayers? Absolutely. In James chapter 1 now, in verse 5, another popular reading, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, what? Let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be what? Given to him. When we pray and we ask of God, in this verse, it's talking about wisdom, it says it will be given to him. So is that prayer a prayer that could be answered? Absolutely. God answers prayer. That's part of another reason why we pray. At the same time, as I said, these prayers should be of those who ask for the right reasons with the right heart. And if you look uh, just a couple of verses down from there, in James uh, 1, 6 through 8 now, But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So what's that talking about? It's talking about when we ask, we need to ask believing that what we're asking for can be answered by the Lord. It's not like, I don't know if I should pray for this or not. It's not like he's going to answer it. I don't know if he does that or not. Is that a faithful prayer? Absolutely not. We need to be praying with confidence. How do we pray with confidence? Well, when we live in a righteous manner, in a godly manner, we can be confident in our understanding that he will hear our prayer and that he will answer our prayer. So our prayer should be confident. I know you hear my prayer, Lord. And I know you have the ability to answer my prayer, Lord, so I pray for this. That should be our heart set when we pray, knowing that the Lord is fully capable and always capable of answering those prayers. That's the right mindset.
And remember also what kind of person's prayer will avail the most. James 5.16. It tells us the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. A righteous man, one who is right with God. Whose heart is set on the things above and not on the things of this world. One who is seeking first the kingdom of God. A prayer of a righteous person will availeth much. First John 5.14, another great reading. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And again, 1 John 3 and verse 21 now, just a few chapters back. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because why? Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. When we serve the Lord, good things happen. And good prayers get answered. That's what happens. That is another part of the incredible power of prayer. Those are some pretty encouraging passages, are they not? And when we keep our focus on godly things, we know that we can make our request to Him and be more confident in our request of Him. And I don't know about you, but that's why I'm starting to see more and more that power of prayer. We've got to keep our hearts right and His goals first, which we should want that anyway. And we know that in our righteousness, our prayer will avail much. And that he will hear our pleas and our hearts, in return, will be comforted in that. And that's just a wonderful thought in and of itself. But why stop there? What about the fact that God commands prayer? In Luke chapter 18, uh, in verse 1 is a good example. It's talking about the parable of the, of the persistent widow here. Very short reading, but it says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. What I like about this simple passage is that Jesus, getting ready to speak this parable, is telling them to pray. And for what? It says, and, and not lose heart. Have you ever felt discouraged or or been confronted with something that could end maybe potentially disastrously, but instead you prayed? If you have, then I'm going to guess that you experienced a bit of relief. When you know God is listening and you're casting your cares on Him, are you not encouraged by that knowledge? Absolutely. Pray and don't lose heart, Jesus says. Pray and don't lose heart. What about over in Romans 12, 12? You don't have to turn there. This is another short reading. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. And we're going to be talking a little bit later about a constance in prayer. And another one, good for notes, very short. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. Prayer is a powerful thing. We're going to see that over and over again. So yes, God commands prayer. But... We should long for it. We should appreciate every moment we take to glorify Him in thanksgiving and supplication. We should also feel a great reliance on the Lord. After all, He is the bringer of salvation. 
In the parable Jesus told in, in Luke 18, you'll be turning there, Luke 18, verses 10 through 14. I think this is a great reading to show us about the reliance on God's mercy. Starting in verse 10 here, we're going to be going through uh, 14. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. <clears throat> Think about right there, this tax collector's reliance, his humbleness when he approached the Lord and his reliance on the, on the Lord's mercy. He knew, he knew that I am a sinner. I am a sinner, Lord. I recognize that. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Such an humble attitude in prayer to think about. And as I uh, bring one of the greatest things we learn about prayer, I want you to think about all the passages that we've read, everything that leads up to this point, talking about the manner of prayer, our wording of prayer. But, but foremost is that power of prayer. Prayer should be a a devoted thing. And most often when we pray, we're in a solemn and we're in a serious mindset. And it's an expression of faith towards God. Scriptural prayers help us in ways that we may not even realize. As we talked earlier, in times of, of much needed prayer, have you not felt a tremendous relief? And, in, and secondly, are you not so much more in tune and focused on God and godly things? And you should be. You are speaking directly to God. Our prayers should seek to align our will with God's will. It becomes a psychological benefit when we are meditating on these things. Our thoughts, our intentions, and our goals become specifically in tune to saying the things we should say, praising the Lord, glorifying Him for all that He has done for us, and asking of the Lord in confidence and in confident faith because we serve and trust in Him. You think about that? You know, there's religions out there, uh, and unfortunately, Islam uh, is one of these, but they will devote their lives much of their lives, much of their day, in prayer. Why? Because prayer keeps their mind in tune to what they think is the right way of belief style, but it keeps them focused on that. There's something to be said from that for us, is that when we pray, who are we focused on? We're focused on God. If we're focused on God, we're focused on godly things. If we're focused on godly things, we're focused on saying godly things. Asking of godly things. So it's going to actually have a little bit of a, of a reverse psychology moment here where when we pray, we want to be in tune to what the Lord is doing for us. 
And we want to be confident in our prayer, so we should know what the Lord has said to be confident in our prayer. That's going to help us to be a righteous person, isn't it? When we become a righteous person, our prayer availeth much. That's pretty crazy how it all works together, right? Prayer is incredibly powerful. So all of these scriptures we've read, they they bring us to more and more an understanding of the depth and power of prayer. So, and I'm going to be uh, begin closing here in just a moment, but I hope we're all truly thinking about our own prayers. Now, are we are we careful to say the right things, to ask for the right things, and is our heart right when we're asking for things? That's a, that's a big one to think about. Is what we're praying for is it solely a selfish benefit, or is it something that we're hoping? that if it allows us to be successful in whatever it is, it could benefit the Lord. Because that would be a more powerful prayer, would it not? How can what I do today benefit the Lord? The power, the power of prayer, excuse me, is that it will keep you closer to the Lord. That's the biggest thing I think we can draw out of this, because being closer to the Lord is going to tie in all these other things. It's going to keep you closer to the Lord. The more you pray, the more your mind is on godly things. When we pray amongst each other, our goal is is not to impress each other with fancy words, expressions, or even memorization. I think that's that's very impressive for someone to be able to do. Don't get me wrong. If you can remember every sick person on the sick list, props. I, I, I can't do that. If I write it down maybe, but just memorization, that's hard to do. That is impressive, but your goal shouldn't be to impress. Your goal is to pray for these people in whatever way that the Lord has set in motion for that for that healing or, or for that trip to be safe, whatever it is, that that takes place, right? It's not to impress others. It's to encourage others to think about these things and to rely on the Lord. Our goal is always to please the Lord. So we want to call on His name with thanksgiving. And when I talked about informing the Lord, it's not a bad thing just in and of itself, to inform the Lord, Dear Lord, I thank you for my food today. I thank you for giving me a safe trip to my destination, whatever it is. We are informing the Lord that, yeah, we made it safely, but we are doing it in a thanksgiving way, aren't we? We are being thankful for what he has given us. The Lord doesn't need to just be informed of what's going on. We are giving thanksgiving or supplication or whatever it is, petition, intercession. In all things, as we read at the beginning of this, by prayer and supplication, giving thanks to the Lord. Now, this morning I said that I prayed quite a few prayers, but I thanked the Lord for today. You know, I got to wake up, I got to see my family once again, I got to tell the kids good morning, uh, and I got to put, put on some good, clean clothes, drive a, a vehicle to a comfortable building to be among brothers and sisters in Christ, and and to be encouraged to stand up here and proclaim a message from God's Word. That's a lot to be thankful for, isn't it? But I am. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God granted me time and opportunity to study this lesson. I tell you, when you study a lesson, you ask any teacher of any class, ask Barbara, she told me before I got up here, when you study to prepare for a class, you will just about always get more out of that than the audience will. I tell you, I, my brain was just going crazy. I can't wait to say this. I can't wait to say that. And in a little bit of time, it's hard to get it all in. If you can study the power of prayer and what prayer does for you and for others, study it. It is an incredible thing. 
You know, I also pray, and there's many others that pray this. We pray that that God's word touches somebody's heart. You know, why do we pray for that? I think that's a good thing to pray for. That the message that he has given us, that what he has set in motion, and now we have this in front of us. We pray that these words, that his commands, that these examples will influence you in a better way. We pray for that because many of those who have already obeyed the word have experienced the great things through obedience. And part of those things is having an availing prayer. Because when you are obedient to the Lord, when you have obeyed the Lord's commands, when you have uh, been part of that coming forth and and being baptized in remission of your sins, you start focusing more and more on godly things. You you start focusing on, on righteous things. And your prayers can become more powerful because of that. There's much to be said. Like I said, there's much to be said about prayer. But again... We do. We constantly pray for each other, and it's an encouraging thing. Encouraging thing that you know we we may not have talked about a lot about salvation in its in its entirety, but we did talk about something that many people will not understand, unfortunately, and that's that power of prayer. And we should count our blessings that that we know that we can commune with the Lord, and that. We are here today, that we are alive and well, that the Lord continues to bless us with an opportunity to serve Him. Those are great things to have each and every day. If I wake up tomorrow, it's an opportunity to serve the Lord. If I wake up the day after, it's an opportunity to serve the Lord. The Lord offers not only a power in prayer and through His knowledge and wisdom, but as we said, He does offer as well a free gift which is salvation. A new life, a clean slate. And as our prayers are lifted up for you, those who have not obeyed that word, I hope that His word may have touched you in some way. Maybe to start thinking about your heart. And maybe if you are a prayer giver, and maybe you haven't obeyed, maybe you're going to start thinking about, is my heart right if I haven't obeyed the Lord, but I'm praying for the Lord to do things for me? Interesting to think about, isn't it? If I'm praying for the Lord to do things for me, but I haven't obeyed Him, how effective is my prayer? When you obey the Word of God, your prayers can avail much. So hopefully this Word will influence you over the world. And for brothers and sisters in Christ, we live in a world full of sin and temptation, and there are times that we give in to those things. And the awesome power of prayer, there's also that bit where we can pray for each other. We see prayers for others all the time in Scripture. And prayers for others are an encouraging thing. They encourage the brother or sister in Christ to know that, hey, we love you. Hey, we're here for you. Hey, we're praying for you, and we want you to turn, and we're going to help you to turn. And when we pray for others, that reminds ourselves, hey, I'm fallible. I can make mistakes. It could be me. This prayer encourages me to keep those things in focus as well. Prayer works two ways. Power of prayer. It's a great thing. So this morning, I hope those things have, have kindled some sort of fire in your, in your mind and your brain to get you thinking about those things because 
if you if you need prayer in any way, we want to be here to be able to pray with you, to be able to pray for you. And if you need to obey that word of the Lord today, to know more and more of those things that we can have as we serve the Lord, there's no better day than today. We aren't promised tomorrow. We say that a lot, but it's so very true. Today may be the last day we have in obedience to the Lord. So whatever your need may be, my prayer and my hope is, along with many others, that you'll make that known this morning as we stand and as we sing.